1: Wow. Uh, Here's a gentleman that's with us right now in the studio I haven't seen for a long time, and we had to reintroduce ourselves. Good morning, sir. Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Are we ready to roll? We are. You know, uh, it wasn't the best of trips to Arizona, but history-wise, I learned a lot down there.
0: And we're going to talk about that very area today. Why? Prescott, Arizona. Prescott, Arizona? Yes, yes. Well, whip it on me. All right. So... Uh, I'm going to talk about two guys, two young men that headed west and actually worked together. The first guy's name is George Ruffner. The other guy's name is Jim Parker. Okay. So those are the two main characters we're going to be talking about. So George, his family roots were already planted in Arizona history when George arrived around 1880. He was a tall, lanky, six-foot-four-inch cowboy he was a popular sheriff with the reputation for fair play he was a fearless lawman. he always got his man it was said that he could track bees in a blizzard (laughs) now that's pretty i gotta think about that (laughs) one so george also liked to take in the game of chance in the gambling joints along whiskey row in prescott Uh, i've been there (laughs) it it was said he lost 1700 one night on the turn of a single card it was also said he lost $38,000 before gambling was outlawed in 1907.
1: You know, let me quickly say that I was on that whiskey roll, and we ate dinner at the Palace Restaurant, which was featured in many movies, but I know exactly where you're talking. I was right there on the sidewalk. Right there on the sidewalk.
0: Yeah. So he bought a ranch outside Prescott and registered his brand, two sixes or six six. Okay. Now, they tell the story of a time when Ruffner was the uh, on the trail of some dangerous outlaw. He knew the man was a crack shot with a Winchester, but he needed somehow to get close enough to get the drop without raising suspicion. So, picture this. He took off his hat. He tied a handkerchief around his head. Then tied up his stirrups on the saddle. Then he covered his saddle with a tarp to make it look like a pack. Okay, you got the picture? Sort okay. of. Okay, his deception was complete. He ambled toward the outlaws' camp, pretending to be just a lonely old sheepherder leading his pack horse. The scheme worked beautifully as the unsuspecting bandit allowed him to walk right into camp. The rest was easy. Ruffner had the drop and made the arrest without incident. Holy cow. Kind of a smart way to do this. I would say. So now perhaps George's most sensational case was the pursuit and capture of this guy named, uh, his real name was Fleming Parker Jim. They also called him Jim. So I'm going to say Parker or Jim. Now Parker was a small-time cattle rustler and horse thief up around a place called Peach Springs, which was really more of a nuisance to local ranchers than a real outlaw. He's kind of a kind of a rookie, I guess you'd
1: yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And he might kind never... Kind of a Jussie Smollett. I guess. You I, know, the guy that uh, had the fake police reports.
0: No, yeah. I, well, Surely you it, follow the news. No. Anyway, he might never have been known outside his neighborhood if one day he hadn't decided to rob a Santa Fe train. Oh. So, here's Jim Parker. Let <laughs> go back a little. He was born in Visalia, California in 1865. He lost his mother at an early age, and his father went insane when the boy was only 14 a year later he was in trouble with the law and sentenced to a year and a half in San Quentin And no sooner was he out of prison. He got crosswise with the law again and decided to head for Arizona.
1: A real pillar of the community.
0: So Parker hired out punching cows at a place called the Thornton Ranch. Okay. Now, he was only 17 at the time, but they say he was tough, rawhide tough. He could cowboy with the best of them. Uh, He's just a good all round hand. Now, Parker had been working for George Thornton about a year when 20-year-old George Ruffner hired out for the outfit. Okay, here's our two guys, George and Jim. Now, Parker taught him to ride and rope, uh, which obviously is the two most important things a cowboy needed to know. They drifted around the county, worked at various cow ranches. Well, so they're kind of buddies, all right? They're Mm -hmm. kind of working together. Now, in 1881, after the spring roundup at a ranch in Chino Valley, the boys drew their pay and headed for Prescott, Arizona. Now, their arrival in Prescott brought a turning point in their lives. Oh. Fate would lead these two cowboys down different roads. George Ruffner would establish roots and call Prescott home for the rest of his life. Wild and woolly Jim Parker Fleming, uh, Fleming Parker, would continue (laughs) to backslide Toward a terrible end, and we'll get that at oh, the end. Oh, you're just like one of those Saturday morning I cereals. Know, I know. You're loving it. Yeah. So Prescott, in those days, was a bustling town. It was the territorial capital, and the mines in nearby mountains were yeah. booming. Yeah. And supplies came into freight uh, into Prescott by freight wagon, because the railroad actually hadn't gotten there until 1887. So there was a lot of money changing hands with the freighting business, uh, hauling from Colorado River to Hardyville, Ehrenberg, different places. Um, so George, he took a look at that, and he decided, you know, I think I'm going to go into the freight business. So... Uh, That's what he did. Now, Parker preferred the carefree life of a cowboy. As soon as his bankroll was gone, spent, he'd go out and find another job, earn some more money, till he'd go back in town and blow it all again. Yeah, and, and Prescott at
1: those days was easy to blow money. Uh,
0: it probably was, yeah. yeah. So their lives continued to grow in different directions. George got married, married a gal by the name of B- Molly, and through hard work and perseverance, uh, he saw his business grow successfully. Pretty soon, he added a livery stable and a stage line to to his business portfolio. Wow. Now Parker, on the other hand, continued his kind of wild and reckless ways. Pretty soon he drifted back into California, He got in trouble with the law, in 1890 he was sent up for 6 years at San Quentin. He was released early and by 1895 was back in Arizona. Now, just what I've heard about San Quentin, it's not a place you want to return to.
1: No, there were some unsavory types in there.
0: Now, a year before his return, George Ruffner was elected sheriff. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so the plot thickens. Yes, it does. The soup is thick. It's thickening. Not long after Parker went to work, uh, cattle began to turn up missing. No. He went to work for a ranch, okay? Cattle started to turn up missing, and then he took a job breaking horses. And, you know, amazingly, pretty soon, Some of those horses went missing. Well, what happened? Well, no one suspected Fleming Parker at the time. You know, he's just a little old cowboy. Well, yeah. Why would he steal? Why? That's that's absurd. So it was more than a coincidence that uh, when wherever he turned up, cattle and horses turned up missing. Darn! Not surprisingly, I can't believe it. So here we have it. Picture this: two rustlers were seen driving forty head of horses from a holding pen. And they drove uh, northwest up to a place called Aubrey Valley. Uh-huh. Okay, Sheriff Ruffner and a posse were soon hot on the trail. Yes, sir. They caught up with them near a place called Frazier's Well, and we're still in Arizona. And in a running gunfight, they recovered the horses. Now, the two outlaws got away, but the lawmen were pretty sure one of them was obviously this Parker, oh, Fleming Parker. Oh. They pretty well knew that too it was. Yeah. So Parker's next haunt was a place called Peach Springs where he joined up with uh, a, a gang called the Thompson Gang and kind of a lesser known gang that probably nobody's heard about. But yeah. their activities included rustling livestock from ranches in that part of Arizona. Uh, the stolen animals were usually driven to Nevada where they would be sold. Now, being good businessmen, uh, you know, they didn't want to come back empty handed, so they pilfered livestock in Nevada and brought them back to Arizona for sale. So they were crisscrossing. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's they, a business venture.
1: They then. were just treating each state with mutual respect for yes, money.
0: Yes, and, and a good businessmen. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, and all, uh, they also generally preferred stealing horses to cows because they could move, you know, faster and quicker. <laughs> so, you know, instead of slow old cows. Now, Parker was a natural leader, and it wasn't long before he was making the decision. The outlaws uh, hold up in Robbers Roost for a while. How many were there? Well, it doesn't say. Just uh, there, uh, this Thompson gang was maybe six or eight guys, not a really not a, not a big gang. Okay. Now, train robbery offered a new dimension to the gang's activities. Train robbery, yeah. So, Wells Fargo, you know, is known to ship thousands of dollars by gold by train, in gold by train.
1: I got a feeling I'm going to snicker over <laughs> yeah, this. Okay,
0: you might. <laughs> so, despite the fact that most of the train robbers were eventually apprehended. Parker decided to rob a Santa Fe train as it made its run through northern Arizona. Okay. Now, Parker, being a, a smart, guy, smart guy, studied all the operations of the trains and actually even learned the basics of running a locomotive. Really? Then he laid out a plan. A large gold shipment was en route from San Francisco and it would soon be passing through northern Arizona on the Santa Fe Railroad. Okay. The heist was set to take place on February eighth, 1897. Just a couple of weeks ago. Not that long. So everything was going according to plan right up until Murphy's Law took over. And what would that be? Well, I'll explain that to you. Parker and his buddy, his companion named Wilson. Wilson. Wilson jumped onto the train as it slowed down on a grade uh, at a rock-cut place, and Parker climbed into the cab, leveled his revolver at the engineer, who brought the engine to, uh, to about half. Wilson rushed back to separate the express car from the mail car, not okay. really realizing the two cars had been switched. Well, when the train stopped, there was a Wells Fargo messenger, or guard, on the train. And I his, see. His name was Jim Summers.
1: Jim Summers.
0: And he became suspicious because the train was stopping where it shouldn't be stopping. Yeah. Well, he stepped down from the train, had his pistol in his hand. As he was walking toward the front of the train, he spotted Wilson. And then what? The Wells Fargo man had the drop. Two shots rang out, and Wilson went down. Uh-oh. Done. Okay? Adios. Yeah. Now, up on the engine, up front, Parker heard two gunshots, and he thought that was the prearranged signal that the cars were separated. So he told the engineer, he says, uh, move on down the line. So they, they left the rest of the this, train. This plan's falling apart. <laughs> it is. You know, it wasn't until they came to a stop where they actually had their horses picketed or tied up right there that Parker realized Wilson was missing. His partner was gone. Okay. This might have been a bad time. Yeah. Well, making the best of bad situation, he rifled through the mail pouches, and the disgusted outlaw then slipped away in the dark with a net gain of $5. All that or, for $5? And a dead partner. And a dead partner. Yeah, 5 yeah. bucks. So, anyway, after the robbery, a posse led by George Ruffner, here comes George again, yeah. was formed in Prescott. Now, Parker, knowing a posse was on his trail, tried to confuse him by cutting back, crisscrossing, circling around his pursuers. He kind of played with them a little bit. You know, and after nearly a week, the posse was able to get close enough to get Parker in the rifle sights. Well, no, was he traveling with anybody else no, in his gang? No, by now he's alone. He's alone? Yeah. All right. So uh, they were able to get him in sight, but he was on a rested animal, a fresh horse, and the lawmen's horses, they were tired. They'd been going for, you know, days. Well, he escaped in a hail of fire. They were shooting at him, but he got away. He got away. Now, anticipate. were
1: per shots.
0: (laughs) They must have been. You know, anticipating pursuit, Parker had cached food and supplies at strategic places in the county. Cut. Like so a, he kind of he was saw into dumped. the
1: future what he was going to, yeah. 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 So, okay.
0: And still the posse continued. Well, the lawmen finally rode Parker into the ground. Two members of the posse, get this, uh, one guy was named One-Eye Riley.
1: <laughs> I went to school with his sister.
0: <laughs> and the other guy was named Martin Bugalun. Okay, <laughs>
1: you, These, you loved saying that, I didn't did, you? That you smiled. Like, I did. Okay.
0: Yeah. So they were out gathering firewood. Uh, and they accidentally stumbled into Parker's camp. Old
1: bug of London, one eye. Oh
0: so the outlaw, he was caught unaware, and he found himself looking down the barrels of two six guns, six guns and so he surrendered He a did fight. surrender. Yeah, yeah, he did. So Fleming Parker likely would have gotten a light jail sentence for this crime until something else happened. Oh, tell me. So... On May 9th, 1897, he and two other prisoners married, made a daring break from the county jail. Three guys, Parker, Lewis Miller, and a guy by the name of Cornelia Serrata, <laughs> they overpowered the guard, and on the way out, Parker grabbed a, sh- a sawed-off shotgun. This he shouldn't it's have done. not a good thing. No. So, picture this. They're leaving the jail. Leaving the jail. So, Lee Norris was a deputy county attorney. Now he overheard the commotion, and he came to investigate.
1: Okay, maybe he shouldn't have.
0: He maybe should not. Yeah. He opened the door just as the three escapees were making their bid for freedom. Oh. Too late. Norris tried to turn and head back through the door. He was cut down with a load of buckshot, uh, and he would die later that night. Oh my! And of course, it was Parker that did the shooting. Yeah. So, up until then, uh, he may have gotten off somewhat easy. Not now. He's in trouble. So, the posse caught up with the escapees. Uh, the deputies opened fire and shot Miller's horse, one of the other guys, out from under him. Miller also took a bullet in the side. Parker pulled the wounded man up onto his horse. Now, So, picture this. They're riding double on a horse. Okay. okay. Parker
1: and one uh, of the escapees. Uh, yes. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, during the fight, Parker actually was also shot in the leg. He, really? got, he got hit in the leg, yeah. Now, the third escapee, this Cornelius Serrata, was never seen again. I don't know what happened to him. He ran away. He got the heck out of there. <laughs> so, Parker and Miller, uh, they're riding double. They head southeast. Uh, the two decided to split up because Miller's wounds were giving him a lot of pain and trouble. Well, Miller was able to make contact with his sister, and she persuaded him to surrender. Well, wasn't you stop right there, they didn't have cell phones, so how did he make contact with his I, sister? I don't know. He, She must have lived in the area, down around Don't look Creston. at me. I don't know. You're don't telling know. the story. Somehow. she okay. He found out. He well, you know, went to their house, I guess. Oh. So, meantime, Parker, you know, he was concealing his trail by crossing and crisscrossing. They actually got bloodhounds out uh, to try to track this guy. Now, I don't know how you are, but I don't picture bloodhounds back in those days uh, tracking prisoners, but they did. Well, George Ruffner... And this is still in Arizona. Yeah. Now, George Ruffner, you know, the sheriff, still stubborn. He's going to pursue this guy. There was a $1,000 reward. Dead or alive, dead preferred. Mm -hmm. Well, so they kept after him. Now... Still believing the posse was on his trail, uh, Parker reshod his horse, and he put the shoes on backward, and rode some distance with the horseshoes on backwards. Well, no, wait a minute. He shot. He shot. got shot in the leg. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it must have not, not have been too bad because he's still he's still going. Well,
1: how about shooting you in the leg? How well, about, tell me how bad it yeah, is? Yeah, but I'm a whim. Okay. <laughs>
0: So, and he had this horse that he had stolen that actually was a prized racehorse that was very uh, fast and uh, sturdy. So Can you imagine what that horse was thinking. <laughs> yeah, this guy is putting horseshoes on me backwards. What the heck? But you know? it was a smart idea. Yeah, it really was. Okay, then when that horse uh, he lost that horse, he stole another horse. Now this time he wrapped burlap around the horse's feet. Now that makes more sense, right? Well, sort of. I mean, yeah, you know, easy to take off. Uh So Parker uh, was left afoot when his latest horse got away. (laughs) He lost his horse. (laughs) The guys
1: got shot in the leg.
0: Lost his horse. Lost his his horse. Had to
1: shoe one backwards. Oh, my
0: goodness. Anyway, so lawmen got a break when someone spotted Parker walking. uh, And the bloodhounds were brought in. They found a cave with warm coals, uh, but the dogs uh, got to sneeze and then lost the trail... (laughs) Because he had spread pepper on his trail. Are you kidding me? This guy really thought ahead. He did. I mean, who would think of pepper? Uh, So anyway, so he got away again. Well, Sheriff Ruffner was hot on the trail again, and thanks to the expert work of the Navajos keeping tabs on Parker's lawman, they were able to sneak up on his camp and take him without a fight. So he's now captured. He's captured Finally. again. Finally.
1: Okay. Now wait a minute. I I know there's more.
0: There. Well, there is. There's oh. an ending to this story. <sighs> so Fleming Parker was then taken to Flagstaff and placed in a cell. Uh, Parker went on trial June fifteenth, eighteen ninety seven, for the murder of Lee Norris. The trial lasted three days and returned a guilty verdict. He was. Uh, he was. Thought he might get a life sentence, but instead they were going to hang him.
1: They're going to hang him.
0: Yep. Flagstaff. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. So Parker's last night in jail before his hanging. George Ruffner asked him if he could bring him anything. You know, they had been friends. And says, you know, is there anything I can do for you? You're going to get hung. And, well, you know, anything I can do for you. Well, Gee, th- gee that was yeah, nice. That was nice of him, you know. <laughs> so on that final day, Parker seeing daylight for the first time in a year. He'd been held in jail for a year. He was led to a black painted scaffold. He halted at the steps and asked if he could have a look around. Parker announced on the scaffold that there was only one man he respected enough to pull the lever at his hanging, and that was his old friend, George Ruffner. Sheriff George. Sheriff George. Yeah. So as they started to place a black cover over his head, Parker asked to shake hands with the boys on the scaffold, and then he said to the jailer, quote, Tell the boys I did I died game and like a man. Okay. Well, so basically it was a real twist of the tale at the end, sounding very much like a plot dreamed up in Hollywood. The story begins with two young cowboys who made a fork, met a fork in the road. One took the outlaw trail. The other became a lawman. One died at the end of the rope. The other had to pull the lever. Wow, George Ruffner had a long and illustrious career as a lawman. He died in 1933. He was the state's oldest sheriff. He became the first Arizona inducted uh, into the National Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. No kidding. George Ruffner. I'm going to go look that up. Now, uh, you know, here's a picture of him. Let's see. You don't know. Uh, I do. Actually, let me show you this, Sheriff George. Okay, that's the horse that he rode. That was a prized racehorse. It's a now white... is that an honest uh, picture? Yeah, I believe it. Really, is. this is the horse that he rode. Holy because cow. The, the, He stole it, and the owner got it back eventually. Okay. Uh, with the shoes on backwards. <laughs> well, hopefully they took care of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, now this is the actual picture of the hanging, Zeb. Oh, that's an actual picture? Yeah, that's the actual picture of when he was... Wow, he you, was a little bitty guy. Yeah, not big. Now, keep in mind, George Ruffner was six foot four. Oh. He, he was a big guy. Okay. So he's standing there and...
1: And it looks like he's uh, on the gallows with the suit on.
0: Um, Isn't it? It does, Yeah. yeah. He's getting to, and I'm just going to guess that the guy on the far left, it looks like a big tall guy. Is uh,
1: Roughner himself? Probably George Ruffner. Yeah. Holy cow!
0: But uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting. And that all story. took
1: place in the Prescott and Flagstaff area. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, Prescott area. So. Wow. Well, I was there. I was there, and I didn't meet him, but I was there. Well,
0: if you ever do. Go go look up George Ruffner's... We
1: we went to the palace, which is on that whiskey row, and, and they mentions... filmed they filmed the movie there. Junior Bonner.
0: Yeah, and and he mentions in here that uh, yeah the palace uh, yeah uh, at, on in Prescott on whiskey row.
1: Yeah, that's uh, where we were. I didn't run into any of his relatives, so I guess we're all right. You don't know. That's true. (laughs) You might But we had a wonderful dinner and then got out of Prescott. (laughs) So, hey, it's good to have you back.
0: Good to be back, Zeb.
1: Oh, my friend, thank you. You bet. Dr. History every Tuesday right here on Zeb at the Ranch, and we really thank him for all that he does.